Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee. La da 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 da. Charleston was once the rage, huh?
Sometimes it feels like we're walking forwards, and sometimes it feels like we might be walking backwards in our quest to end prohibition. And that's what this is all about, the human solution, this show, um, virtually every fiber of my being, every electron in my cells is about making this world a better place, making a world where freedom is king and prohibition doesn't exist anymore. There's just no reason for it to exist that makes sense to me anyways. Maybe somebody can call in and explain why prohibition is a good thing. I've made that offer since I began doing these shows, and not once has anybody ever come in and, and, and made that offer or taken me up. Um, we've got a lot of things to discuss today. Typically, I begin a show with a, a little bit of a monologue, and today will be no exception. Um, it's funny. This this show evolved as uh, a spinoff on a show that was the uh, news from the front lines, uh, and it was a show that was bringing up to date people on cut court cases, uh, goings on in the prison, and efforts to uh, end prohibition around the world. And typically, there was some point, some element of the show that I just felt it necessary to expound upon, and this is what came of it. I said, you know, if we could just have a show where we could just talk about what's important, where it could just be an open discussion, a dialogue about things that were just important. It's a non-sponsored show, so I don't have to worry about making any company happy. It's a, um, it's a free show. It's for us to do with what we want. We're the Human Solution is a all-volunteer, nonprofit civil rights group, and as such, this is like a perk. It's something that we get for ourselves, and it's an opportunity that people have to get their message out to the world in a broader way. And remember, the show is live today because of the Coffee Party Radio Network, and they've given us this show, and we're very grateful for it. And to be a part of this particular show, all you have to do is call in 646-929-2495. And this show particularly is being simulcast on a video feed, and I believe it's uh, being sent out to Facebook, and it's being sent out to Periscope as well. So if you know how to get to those things, um, you can watch this show as it's happening. Um, and if you look back behind me and you're happy to be watching it, you'll see uh, the contact information, and my guess is that that will get uh, highlighted more than once throughout the show. So today we have um, a lot on our plate. We have a world where in the last, I don't know, five years, uh, states in America have uh, fought against the federal government and said, you know what, I know what the federal government says, um, but we think as states, as sovereign states, remember we're a federation of sovereign states. Each state is its own little union, and it gets to do with what it wants, except for matters of um, interstate commerce and national defense and that sort of thing. Um, there's been battles between the states and the federal government before that the states have won, speed limit laws, and, and there's been a number of different things where the states said, no, we don't really care what your federal government laws say. We're going to do it a little differently here. And it doesn't affect you, federal government. 
and the federal government comes in and says, well, we're going to take away your federal funding if you don't listen to what we say. And sometimes the states say, well, that's okay. We don't want your federal funding. We want our freedom instead. Um, the law to, or the, the effort to legalize or make available cannabis to uh, medical patients or recreational use has been a little bit different, though, because uh, there's a specific law on the book that the federal government goes by called the Controlled Substances Act. And the Controlled Substances Act was enacted really to put a grip on cannabis, um, much more so than anything else. And what it did was it put it in a place, uh, Schedule One, where it was amongst the most dangerous substances on the planet. And it was determined to not only have no medical use, but to be inherently dangerous and to be um, extremely addictive. And it's in the same category as um, PCP and uh, a bunch of other actually dangerous drugs. But you know what? It's not in the same category as um, cocaine. Cocaine's not a Schedule One; It's a Schedule Two. Um, I believe even methamphetamine can be prescribed in certain instances. Uh, it's used widely in the military. And, and so there's all sorts of, you know, truly dangerous drugs that are categorized as less dangerous uh, than cannabis. And um, it, it's just perplexing. But what it should be is eye-opening. Because when something is as stark wrong as that, the thinking mind would say, well, what's up? Why would that be? How can that be? It's not right. Uh, there's never been even a single person that's died of an overdose of cannabis, not one time in all of history. And the government never even claimed that there was. They never, ever said, well, it's dangerous because this many people have died from it. They just say it's dangerous because we say so. So from it's been actually 20 years since California passed its law, 1996. California passed... Uh, uh, our medical law, and it said that patients have a right uh, to collectively, cooperatively cultivate cannabis for themselves, and they have the ability to uh, grow it for themselves, grow it in a collective or cooperative, and distribute it amongst each other as needed without really any regulation involved. But that law, Prop 215, uh, had built into it a contingent that the legislation was supposed to come in and clarify some things. And so a little bit later, SB 420 came in, and the legislation put that through, and it allowed for these plant limits that were later on to be determined to be unconstitutional. Um, and so there's challenges to all of that. But they gave sort of parameters. Never in any way did they say that the Controlled Substances Act is the supreme law of California. It said it shouldn't apply to us. This is legislators. This isn't just a, a ballot initiative. It's also the state legislation that were up elected and took an oath to uphold the Constitution and all of the things that elected officials do. Um, since that time, there's, uh, you know, over the 25 state mark, and you know, everybody thought, oh, as soon as it hits 25 states, everything's going to be great. Um, back, you can listen to archive shows. I said, show me anywhere in uh, our law that says that's the case. It's not. There's nothing that says when 25 states want something, the federal government has to listen. 
Although it would stand to reason that the federal government, being of the people, by the people, and for the people, should listen to the people. But it doesn't always work out that way. Um, there's agendas behind all this. As we know, we've had many shows that have talked about not only the um, effect of the cost of the war on drugs and the consequences of prohibition, but why? Why did it come? It's big money. We already know all of that. It's the big companies, the prison guards union, uh, big pharma, the chemical companies, uh, hell, even the alcohol and tobacco people. Although the tobacco people are okay with it now because they're just going to grow it instead of their tobacco if they get the opportunity. Um, but meanwhile, the big giant lobby is is throwing money at the legislation, and that's really the only viable reason why can or by why prohibition still exists. Now think about this: Controlled Substances Act is a law, just like any other law. It's not some constitutional amendment. Remember, when we had alcohol prohibition, it was a constitutional amendment. It was a gigantic undertaking to not only make happen but to undo, and it happened, although that was a long time ago when more people felt that they were a part of the government and were willing to participate and stand up. We may be getting closer to that as time goes on. Hopefully we are. Hopefully we're entering a time where uh, people come to realize that their vote does matter, that their voice does matter, and that if we were to just pull our heads out of our asses long enough to work together for a common goal, we could accomplish a common goal no matter what it was. No matter how audacious, no matter how um, uh, wildly outside of what the federal government would want, it wouldn't matter because the federal government is here to represent our will. Remember, Abraham Lincoln said, and I say all the time, with public sentiment, anything is possible, and without it, nothing is possible. So let's fast forward from uh, 1996 all the way to 2016. Um, we have... You know, Colorado broke ground with uh, the first state to legalize, and I put quotes on legalize, but um, to, to make recreational cannabis available. The great experiment. Everybody thought, oh, my God, the world's going to fall apart. Crime's going to go up. Everybody's going to be crashing and burning, and the world's going to, and nobody even noticed. Nothing changed in Colorado. The only thing that changed in Colorado was a little bit more cash came into the government, came into the state of Colorado. And Colorado became a tourist destination for people that wanted to see what recreational cannabis was about. And since that time, we've had Oregon, Washington, uh, now California, Nevada, uh, Boston, or Massachusetts, uh, Washington, D.C., have all passed recreational um, laws. And there's, I don't know, upwards of, I don't know, I think there's close to 30 states or maybe even more. I lose track. I'm not... Uh, statistics guy so much, um, but rather a concept guy. Bottom line is more states now allow for some use of cannabis than don't. And every single one of them is in defiance of the federal law. Um, there have been memos throughout the last 10 years from um, Attorney Generals Ogden and um, Cole and and, you know, they've made these declarations that we're not going to be pursuing cases um, in states where medical use is allowed, and um, then they do anyways. And so um, it, 
there's been sort of this, I don't know, tacit acceptance of these state laws. But when they want to, they flex their arms and they say, well, you weren't following your state's law. Well, you don't matter when. You know, we got uh, Aaron Sandusky locked up for 10 years. Uh, Noah Kleinman locked up for 18 years plus. We've got, and these all happened within the last five years. These are not, you know, way back when. This is, this is all recent cases. We had the Kettle Falls case. We've had a number of cases where, frankly, the federal government doesn't give a damn what the people in the states have wanted. And I have sat in many of these trials, and the first thing the judge says to the jury is, you are in a federal court of law, and let there be no question, your state marijuana laws do not apply here. Um, now, you say, I'm, I'm saying this as sort of painting a picture of what's happening, what has been happening all the way up until this point. But the truth is, broadly speaking, cannabis has become widely accepted as more mainstream. Uh, we have doctors reaching over and, and, and allowing uh, themselves to be put at risk. Um, we have teachers and, and all sorts of professionals, like people with licenses, stepping forward into the light saying, you know, I, I endorse this, I use this, it works. Um, big money is starting to come into this, this Green gold rush is starting to happen. There's businesses all over the place. I just heard a um, a story on the radio yesterday that ham radio operators are complaining because the static interference of um, grow lights is interfering with the ham radio signals. Uh, people don't realize that their uh, HID lights emit an electric frequency or a, a radio frequency. And so it's like a staticky screech that's out there. And as there's more and more of these grow operations, the ham radio operators are getting upset because apparently the, uh, the ballast for these lights <coughs> are emitting a frequency way beyond what the SEC allows and, or whatever the, the, the rules that govern that. Um, I, w I would have never guessed that to be the case, but it was. Um, there are gigantic grows going on in Colorado and Washington. There are labs. There are um, extraction facilities. Uh, they have refined techniques of, of producing um, high-grade cannabis oil extracts. Um, we're able to test for all kinds of things to very specifically dose things to make to match terpene profiles to uh, craft. Uh, different products for specific ailments. It's become very scientific. Uh, and that's only happening because big money is coming into it and, and people are willing to risk their fortunes. But at the same time, what is not being told is behind the scenes, people are still getting busted and um, most of them are still taking deals. I just got a phone call yesterday from a guy in California in northern uh, San Diego County who had gotten raided in uh, 2015 um, and two times, I believe, and he was getting ready to go to trial. In California, where we passed a law last November that said these sort of cases weren't supposed to go to trial. And he said he was a legal medical grow, and he had all these documents and records. But when the cops came in and raided, um, they took all the exculpatory evidence, and they don't have it. 
Um, for those of you who don't know the word exculpatory, exculpatory evidence is the part of evidence that would help your case, that would help to prove your innocence. Um, remember, you're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. But if you ever get sucked into the court system, you'll find that it's not exactly the case. In fact, you are quite guilty until proven innocent. Um, and unfortunately, even with a jury trial, it's it's a lot easier said than done. And any of us who have been in the meat grinder that we call a court system um, would realize that. Anyways, this guy was terrified, and it was interesting because he had the same attorney that I had as a uh, as a criminal defense attorney, and I told him, well, I he got me through two cases and got him dismissed. The third one we, it was a fiasco, and he pulled the parachute after that last fiasco, and I was stuck with the public defender for my second trial. So um, as much as I have a respect for the guy, um, not everybody has what it takes to go the distance. Um, anyways, he was terrified, and I walked him through his case, and I pointed out some obvious things to me that I would have assumed that his attorney would have said to him. Um, but when we were done talking, he felt a little bit better about it, and hopefully the juries of today's trials will feel a little different than they did even a few years ago. Um, our law says that any of these cases are supposed to be misdemeanors. Well, misdemeanors don't have a jury trial. You can get a bench trial, but no, no jury trial. <clears throat> so that's what's going on today. Well, what else is going on today? we got a new president. We got a new president that um, is pissing a lot of people off, and this new president is going around doing some things or saying some things and bringing some people in that are making some waves that seem to be threatening to uh, the position that many of us have taken and have stood up for and fought for and been willing to risk our freedoms for. And so we have a very, very special guest here today. And um, I very seldom bring in guests into the studio, but um, the studio is my home, so it's really easy to do. And we've actually opened up, for those of you who are uh, watching our video feeds, um, you can see that we've moved out of my office and into the living room. And so um, I have here with me Wanda Smith, and I'm going to tell you a little story about Wanda Smith. Um, and this is going to take you back to before there was a human solution. It's going to take you back to my activist work being fighting for my own collective to exist and other various and sundry things I found to be important. Um, prohibition wasn't amongst them at the time. I was, you know, allegedly a cultivator from back in the 80s when we didn't have any uh, protections whatsoever, and I realized I was an outlaw, so I acted accordingly. I was didn't tell anybody that didn't need to know, and I didn't work with anybody that didn't need to be part of it, and um, I didn't ever have any problems. But we passed this law, and, you know, 10 years had gone by. I felt, well, hell, it might be okay to step forward into this. So I had opened up uh, with a partner of mine, a, a little collective in Garden Grove that we called Unit D. And uh, there's a whole story behind that. But basically, um, you know, we, were, we built it from scratch, um, didn't know what we were doing when we started, but we knew cannabis, and we knew uh, people that knew cannabis, and we knew that if we could provide it um, to people in accordance with California laws in the best way we could, that uh, we could be part of this. And so um, we set up. Things worked out really well in the beginning. We had, oh, shoot, at the time I got raided, I think we had 4,000 patients. 
and uh, we had a, a great little community. We had uh, grow classes, and we had, um, you know, a food bank and a clothing bank, and, you know, we had uh, resources for people that needed it. We had, it was, we had created a nice little community of people, and um, nobody was ever turned away for lack of uh, being able to afford something. You'd, you could come in and You'd always walk out of there with something. It might not have been the very thing that you had in mind, um, but uh, it, you'd, you'd walk out of there with something. Well, I met a guy by the name of Tim Graston. And, uh, Kathy, can you call Ronnie and tell him that I'm on the radio? Um, and uh, Tim Graston came into my shop, and uh, he was cultivating some. I can still remember to this day. It was called Sweet Haze. And it was a unique strain that um, I liked, but he didn't do it very well in the beginning. And uh, I could tell that. And but it was a it was a unique strain, and I liked sativas, and so I made a place for it. And he was worked with us as far as pricing went, and uh, we, we we worked together pretty well. Well, then a little bit later, he said, "Hey, I've got a a friend I'd like to introduce you to. She had an outdoor crop, and she'd like to become part of your collective." And I said, "All right." So. Wanda Smith comes into the crowd, into the shop, and uh, we hit it off pretty instantly. And uh, Wanda is a very straightforward person who you don't ever wonder what she's thinking. And uh, she she grew a decent crop. And we figured out a reasonable compensation, and she became one of our um, one of our growers. And uh, that worked out just fine until such time that the state of California decided that uh, they wanted to take what was mine. And uh, they raided us, and I went to jail. And at one point in the future, um, I got charged. And when I got charged, they locked me up again, and uh, I, I learned the hard way about how things were. During this time of, you know, this is now I think my third time being locked up for this, Many, many, many people that I had gathered in my inner circle uh, had determined that uh, being around me was dangerous to their well-being. And, um, you know, out of 4,000 committed patients, um, I don't know, I think we had about three, 400 of them that swore they would be there through thick and thin. And they'll, we'll, we'll be there at your court, we'll testify, we'll do anything you want. Uh, we, this is important to us. Your well-being. We need you, Unit D. I mean, we reopened the day after we got raided because the patients demanded it, and we put that thing back together and we patched it up and we reopened. The patients came in and donated medicine that we could reopen, and it was quite a quite a touching moment. Got to see what what everybody was made of. But you know what? When the rubber hits the road and you're now almost two years later and you have to go to court every day for a while and your lawyer says, well, what's your witness list? Who do you have to testify? And I started making phone calls. And, uh, you know, I had 50 solid witnesses, maybe 100, 400 that said they would. <clears throat> but out of 400, you don't need 400. They wouldn't allow it. Um, I figured I'd get 40 or 50, no problem, that would... Be willing to testify to what happened. What happened inside of Unit D? What was? Why were we a uh, an organization that was following the state law? Why is it that we were uh, targeted? We shouldn't have been. So 
need people to testify to that. Um, Wanda was uh, willing to testify. And that was very special to me because she was the only grower that had the stones to stand up in front of the court and say, yes, I was a grower for this collective. I grew medicine so that members of this collective could have it. There wasn't another single grower. I don't know how many. I had a vendor list of, she's probably at least 50 different people that we were getting our medicine from. Not one of them, not one of them stepped forward. And, uh, but Wanda did, and she got up on that stand, and she stood tall, and she answered those lawyers' questions, and she said all the right things and didn't say any of the wrong things. And I, when, when we were done with that testimony, that day was impressed in my head. I mean, there's nothing more grueling than sitting at a defense table for 18 days like I did and, and you know, watching people lying and, and just doing everything they can to see you get undone, to see you get uh, crucified. And, and that's what I was watching, cop after cop after cop, lying, just making stuff up. And... You know, when I got my chance to present my defense, it was, you know, they only allowed a handful of witnesses. Um, they weren't going to allow any in the beginning. So, um, you know, it was very difficult to prepare this. But that day when Wanda testified, um, I, I, she, she gained a very, very special place in my heart. Uh, there's something to be said about integrity. And integrity is something that's hard to find, and you can never know that you have it until you put it to the test. Because <laughs> people always say stuff, but when it comes down to you know, if you ever need anything, how many people have ever heard that? If you ever need anything, call me. Call me. Well, you know, you just try calling all those people that ever need anything and see what comes of it. Not much. Um, so, anyway, since that time, um, Wanda and I have become very close, and even though we don't see each other every day or every week or even every month, um, you know, she lives about. 60, 70 miles from my house, and uh, uh, she lives in a beautiful spot of the world that's just kind of desolate, um, and she's got health issues. She goes under dialysis several times a week and um, has benefited greatly from cannabis medicine, and I've watched it. In fact, when she showed up today, I was I've just blown away. Uh, she's lost a bunch of weight. She's got great color in her face, and uh, if you can look at her and see, uh, look better than I've seen, and I don't know. Thank you. Maybe ever. Um, and, and that's just a testament to why we do this. Remember, it's not just about um, any old plant. It's not about any old medicine. It's just that this plant and this medicine is special. And for it to be deemed illegal is such a, a heinous wrong that those of us that understand that um, need to do something about it. So we put the word out um, a week ago or so that we we're going to talk about uh, Donald Trump just uh, got a new attorney general, and uh, Jeff Sessions is his name, and he has a little bit of a different opinion about cannabis than the rest of us do. And um, it's going to be interesting to see what really happens, but Wanda when she heard that we were going to be talking about this, uh, was so fired up that she says, you know what, can I come out and do the show? And I said, you know what, you bet. I, I, I respect uh, your opinion, and 
people need to hear it. And one of the biggest reasons that we do this show is so that if somebody feels strongly about something, that they can reach out and tell the world. And not only is this show go out to the live audience um, and now the video audience, but it's archived. And people can go back and and listen to it. And I've watched many of our shows that only got a handful of live listeners. You go back six months, a year later, and the archive, um, you know, is, is thousands. And so that's a big part of this is preserving a record of, of what was important to us at any given moment. Um, I'm also got here uh, Lisa Wooldridge, who's our vice president, and now uh, one of our tech guru people. And there's Lisa, if you're looking at the live feed. And, of course, my lovely wife, Liz, is here. Um, <laughs> Hi, Liz. <laughs> she, she doesn't like to talk in public much unless unless she's yelling and screaming. So um, it's good. We, You know, it, it's, it, it's an incredible group of people that have gathered in our world. And uh, when you've watched the challenges and trials that we've come to and, and the fearlessness, there's two kinds of people. When the fire starts burning, uh, most people run away. They just run. And a couple of people will run into the flames and make sure that everybody's okay. And that's what we're dealing with here. These are all first responders. These are all people that um, aren't afraid of what might happen to them. They're not afraid of the very worst thing that could possibly happen. They're not afraid. What they are is committed to being real people and doing the right thing. Um, it's You know, you watch the old-fashioned movies with the guy, the father, or the cowboy, or the whatever that just does what needs to be done. And that's what these folks are. These are the folks that will get her done. Um, and what I'm going to do here is I'm going to bring up, we also have a um, our amazing Becca who has a little something. Oh, <laughs> I see what's going on. She's just a curious one. Becca, you're live on the air here, too. We have um, part of our executive team, Becca Nichols. She is our uh, treasurer and executive director and uh, one of my several right hands in the human solution. And she's uh, she just gets so many things done, we're going to make her mic live. All right, Becca, I'm hoping that we're coming in loud and clear. I'm going to turn this yeah. over to Wanda and uh, just wanted to introduce everybody. All right, without further ado, I've got Wanda Smith here, and she's got a few things she wants to say. Well, I listened to Trump the whole time he was out there telling us what he was going to do if he became president. And he was very adamant that uh, marijuana should be legal right across the United States. But since he's got a new AG in there, I think they've bent his ear, and he's wanting now to raid any state that has recreational with the feds. And if people don't come together here real soon and nip that in the bud, we are all going to be without. The feds will come in and just wipe us out. Well, let's talk about that for a second, what that means. Because most people just don't get it. Um, You know, you go to any of these shows, any of these um, events, Go to Hemp Fest, or you go to, uh, you know, any of these, any of these millions of shows that are happening now, and people are just walking around. They're selling, you know, extracts and flowers and 
tools to make things and um, edibles and right. everything as though there's just no risk whatsoever. And um, people just don't realize that it never stops. <laughs> and even though Obama had, you know, declared he was going to have a laissez-faire approach to it, the president isn't the one who makes those decisions. No. The president can't tell the DEA to go raid somebody. He doesn't have that power. Um, but the attorney general does, and uh, the attorney general is the, you know, the the head lawkeeper of the country. And if the, it, it, it's kind of a of a of a messed up situation because in the time when the attorney general was making statements that indicated that the feds were going to back off. It made people feel comfortable. Right. And they were acting in such a way that made them easy targets. And some of them got picked off. And, you know, um, people just don't realize that, you know, even in Colorado, there's still people getting arrested right. by the state of Colorado. Um, and the feds step in every now and again when they when they have a big fish. They, they feds took out a number of dispensaries a couple of years ago. Right. And they were supposedly owned by some uh, foreign entities or whatever. But bottom line is it doesn't matter. Um, they did take these places out, and they raided a number of grows. And these are just the ones that make the news. We have a unique um, perspective in that as a civil rights organization, uh, we get access to cases that don't make the news. Right. You know, people reach out to us for help when, well, speaking of such, this is Craig Cecil calling for federal prison. Nice. So we're going to put Craig on here for a second and uh, get, give him his 15 minutes. Prepaid call. You will not be charged for this call. This call is from Craig Cecil. In England, federal prison. This call is being recorded and is subject to monitoring. Hang up to decline the call. Hello, Craig. How are you doing? Wow. Well, it's um, been a beautiful spring day out here in Southern California, and uh, I, uh, I I was just talking. Somebody was just asking me, um, it said, you don't look comfortable. And I said, I'm not in custody. I'm comfortable. There's no, uh, there's no place that I could not be comfortable in right now. Um, and obviously that's not not true for for a lot of our a, a lot of our comrades a lot of the people that um have fallen victim to this horrible war and um you know I have a special guest today and her name's Wanda Smith and um she was actually one of the members of my collective she was one of my growers actually and she was the only grower that was willing to stand up and testify in my trial and I just got through a little uh, rave about you know how important that is when you have a case that people are willing to stand up for you and stand up you know um, in, on your behalf, and they're so hard to find. And we we're talking about this. We we're, we're just begin talking about this uh, new AG Jeff Sessions and his um, leanings about federal law and the uh, position that the DEA is is planning to take. Uh, especially with recreational states, and um, you know, it's we're looking at potentially taking a few steps backwards. And uh, 
So Wanda's here to lay this out, and we're going to talk about what we can do to circumvent that or to head it off at the pass. What are your thoughts about all that? Well, the, I told you before that I'm thinking it might, might actually, in the long haul, be an advantage if he takes an anti-marijuana stance, especially as he has previously, uh, he was previously last fall bashing uh, the former attorney general uh, for not going after the uh, retail outlets in, uh, in Colorado. And I'm thinking that if he takes a stance that he should do that, that number one violates the, uh, you know, the, the budget provision that, you know, federal tax dollars aren't to be used for prosecuting people that are legal under state law. And secondly, I think it would push the whole marijuana issue uh, for the first time really in, you know, 40 years now, push it before the Congress for a vote, you know. I think it would get the press behind the pro-marijuana movement because they, they would get the exposure and, and they would actually have, you know, the people in the national news whose children are benefiting from the cannabinoids, you know, to stop their seizures, from the people with PTSD that are benefiting, from so many people that have verifiable benefits from marijuana. Well, you know, I it... think that could... It's crazy that you say that, but it's true. Um, unfortunately, so many times it takes a tragedy um, to bring people together. You know, you think about the times in American history where the people got united, and it was never when we had a winning horse. It was always when something was coming to cause us harm. It seems to be the only time when, when Americans will, will get up and go back to back and, and circle the wagons is when we feel attacked. And I think that what's happened is is now that we've gone mainstream enough to where enough people have Let's been willing to use this medicine and, and find out that it actually does have significant benefits. That's number one. Number two, we have, um, you know, Sanjay Gupta, the, uh, you know, the Surgeon General guy comes out and says, uh, you know what, we were wrong, and um, I'm going to go on a campaign to bring this, to the world. And then on top of it, we have now big money that's entered into the cannabis industry, uh, money that can afford big lawyers, money that can, um, you know, put our own lobby into this. And so, uh, and there's already a number of bills introduced and have been for the last seven years um, that would allow the federal government, even if it kept the Controlled Substances Act in place, to amend it to allow the states to determine what they wanted to do. And all they'd have to do is get one of those bills through committee and put it to a vote, and this would all be over. And I think it would be politically expedient as well, because think about our elected officials. You know, they're looking out at their electorate, and really I don't think they would lose any votes for voting the marijuana to legalize or decriminalize marijuana, but I'm not sure that they would, you know, uh, you know, gain any votes by putting it down. So I really think, you know, it would be, if it could be forced up for a vote, I, I can't see other than it would be a win-win, because I, I think the, the congressman that votes against it is going to alienate a lot of voters. But the one that 
with, uh, you know, votes for legalization, I think he's going to make a lot of his voters happy. So I, I, you know what I mean? I, I think if we can actually force it through the committee for a vote, I think uh, it's in a lot better position than it was in, when was the last time, 1979, I believe. It's been a while. It's been a while. Well, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because I was talking to Wanda before the show, and I said, you know, I know, you know, we have this big problem in front of us, but that's what I want to do is bring to this uh, a point that says, well, all right, let's let's look at this problem and what good can come out of it. And, you know, you're bringing up a, a, a really valid point. One of the things that people need to realize, the only reason Trump's in power isn't because of Trump. It's because we were so damn sick of the government and – Hillary represented the government, and there wasn't anything else to choose from. The Republicans didn't raise up a decent candidate, not even anything that was even palatable. And so Trump was the one that was not the government, and there was that many people pissed off about not being the government. Well, guess what? Those people are still pissed off. Those people still don't have jobs. Those people still are stuck where they were, and they're hoping that this actual change can come through. And you know what? Congress, we have elections every two years. And I can guarantee you those people that rose up out of their beds and, and, and voted this last presidential election, they're going to keep voting. Mm-hmm. And I think that the Congress people know that. We're in a, we're in a um, you know, uh, clean house mode. And when we get cleaning house, sometimes – you know, anybody but you is going to be who's going to get it. And so, um, you know, this is a huge issue, and it's an issue that affects so many people, and and it affects people in such a profound way, such as yourself. I mean, imagine if all of a sudden we changed the Controlled Substances Act and put in a retroactive provision into it that said, you know what, if anybody's locked up in federal prison because of this, and it's no, and it wouldn't be a crime today that you're out, let done. Out. Just let them out. Um, that could be done. That could be done. And I and I say, well, you know, we, we've we've gone past our golden opportunity of Obama's clemencies. Um, a lot of people got granted clemency, but not the people we wanted. Only a small handful did. And so here we are. Now now we're here today. What do we have that we can do? And um, it's unfortunate that. It looks like it's going to, you know, have to take a couple of hits before everybody rises up and unites, but I, I, I use this as a call to action myself. Yes, uh, unfortunately, I think there's going to end up being marijuana murders. There's going to be those retail store owners that the feds are just going to come in gangbusters just because they can. Well, you know, it's, it's easy pickings, and... For those that don't realize, when the feds come in and raid you, they take everything. They take they take all your assets. They take assets that are in any way connected to you, and they cash them in. And they seize bank accounts. They seize properties, and they liquidate those things. So, um, you know, they have quite uh, quite a motivation to continue doing what they're doing. And it's time for us, I think, to you know demand that it stops. We're the only ones that can stop them. We have to revolt. Yep, exactly, exactly. Well, 
and a revolution can happen in so many different ways. You know, I, I, I liked a lot of uh, uh, Ron Paul's thoughts and ideas, but there wasn't enough strength behind them. There wasn't, you know, it was, it was a, there, there wasn't enough force that would get people up and off their butts and do it. It was just a real kumbaya, great idea, and, and I, you know, uh, great ideas are great. We need to have them. But we also need something that says, all right, now let's get up and make this great idea happen. We need to make, uh, we need to create the world that we want to see, and it's not going to happen by sitting around in a circle beating a drum. It's going to happen by demanding and painting the picture we want to see, showing them what we want and how to get there, um, you know, uh, giving them the carrots when they're good and the sticks when they're bad, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know any other way to put it. It's time for us to get off our asses and and get active. Well, I think that's part of the problem. Is is politicians are afraid of it. They're, they're afraid that you know they don't lose or gain if they don't do anything about it. And that's the reason it's languished all this time without any action. There's every Congress. There's been a bill to be to decriminalize marijuana that gets submitted and just dies. But, uh, you know, maybe now is the time if, if we can get some people, you know, especially anti-establishment types, you know, uh, which are like Trump. Trump was the anti-establishment candidate. It really is seen now that the establishment still points to marijuana as the gateway drug and, you know, you know all the standard lines. Oh, yeah. But, they're still living the reefer madness, and you know. But the problem is, and this is important because um, Kansas is getting close to passing a, a bill. And uh, last show we had um, uh, some people from Kansas on, and it's the most backward state in the union, um, and they don't even have a ballot initiative process. Um, and you know, when I went back to Kansas a year and a half ago. Um, I was just mortified at, at how things work there and how oppressed these people are. Backwards. And yet everybody's walking around with a gun at their hip. Yeah. You know, everybody's got, got a sidearm. They've got a 45 on their belt. And yet, you know, you get you get caught with a, a joint and you're doing some time. And it was just the craziest, uh, the craziest place. But enough people in Kansas have gotten together and says, wait a minute, and, and you know, with huge testimonials, I submitted a testimonial as an expert um, and was willing to, you know, stand on their Senate floor to deliver it if they would let me. And um, they are really positive or, or feeling positive about the, the possibility of Kansas passing this legislation. And what their thought is that if Kansas does pass it, a lot of the backwards-leaning states are just going to fall over like dominoes. And, you know, it's, it's, that's happening at the very same time that, you know, we're dealing with this, uh, you know, backwards-thinking AG is, uh, you know, stepping up into his, into his saddle. Well, again, the people have spoken, and I think, I think the Trump administration is not going to stand in the way of decriminalization of marijuana. And although Jeff Sessions and Donald Trump have, you know, expressed strong opposition to decriminalization, the reality of the matter is it's those people that favor uh, 
the decriminalization of marijuana are the people that elected him. And I, I don't think he's going to, you know, especially if he's going to look for a second term, he's not going to try to alienate those people. So I would say he's either going to stay quiet or try to just sweep the whole issue into the corner. Don't talk about it. Don't, you know, don't kick up any dust. Let it rust. <laughs> Well, Craig, uh, that was your first beep. Last week we we only gave you a couple of seconds. I'm going to give you the full beep to say your uh, your fi- final shot for today. Okay. Well, I just want to thank everybody for you know remembering those of us behind the razor wire and behind the guard towers here. That I can tell you that everybody here, and I'm right now looking at about 50 federal prisoners over the over the railing. They all know and they're all feeling that you people are realizing that we're here and helping us. And I think change is coming. And I think change is going to come through your listeners, your activists, and your people that have taken the interest to listen to you and to listen to me. And uh, I think relief is on the way for all of us, especially from the people out there that need the medicine and those of us that need the cure. I Craig, I can tell you this, with all sincerity, uh, we're not going to stop until you're free. And uh, you know what? That was Craig. Every single week he calls in, he puts himself in harm's way. He's in federal prison, but he could get put into um, solitary confinement for a long time if he got caught doing what he's doing. And it might mean that it might be that they're being a little lenient with him. They do record and listen to all these phone conversations. Um, he has gotten in solitary confinement a number of times, um, not specifically as a result of of calling into this show, but um, we've had an active part of uh, of his existence out there. Uh, we've had numerous times where we've had call-in campaigns because he was being mistreated, um, denied medical attention, and we've gotten things done. Um, Unfortunately, he went from what I thought might have been a better place to Terre Haute, Indiana, which is a worse place, Um, and we don't know, you know, what was behind all that, but there's a lot of, uh, unfortunately, sinister crap that goes on in the Bureau of Prisons. All right, we're going to continue our conversation. We've got some callers that have questions or want to talk, and remember that if you want to call in to this show, all you got to do is pick up your phone and dial 646-929-2495. And you will get an opportunity to speak with lovely, non-compliant Mary, who always has something to say. And she will let you know uh, if you've got a chance to get on the air. And if you have something that you want to say, just let her know. If you're currently listening either on the computer, on Blog Talk Radio, um, or a video feed, or on the phone, and you just have something that you want to say, just hang up and call back in and let our screener know, and you'll get a chance. So we do have a caller that has something they want to say. His name's Robert from Ontario, and he's got something he wants to say. So here we go. Robert from Ontario, you are live on well, Cup of Joe. Well, show. Well, thank you. thank you for bringing me on. Um yeah, um, it's unfortunate what you had to go through. I hear it. And, uh, you know, Trump's supposedly going to give the states the power back. And that could help California with this, with the feds not coming in. But the only thing is we don't want to revolt. 
I mean, it wouldn't be a good idea. What we want to do is we want to vote these people out. We want to vote all the liberals. It's a lot of them here in California, and it sucks. But we got to have them out of office. As soon as Jerry Brown's gone, then things can roll. As soon as he, as long as he's in charge, and I'm surprised he's not going with this marijuana because that could bring a lot of tax in, and then he have his freaking train. <laughs> the boondoggle. Yeah, well, here, here's the deal. When we talk about a revolt, um, that's a big word. What we mean by a revolt is we need to affect change by our will. It doesn't mean that we're going to have a violent uprising by any stretch. In fact, um, you know, the principles of the human solution have always been based on peaceful change. Um, but what a revolt means is sometimes it means that enough people um, bombard your congressman with our will. Sometimes it means... Um, calling the, the TV station and saying, why aren't you covering this? Um, sometimes it means calling the White House and saying, you know, this is happening, um, it needs to stop, or this isn't happening, it needs to start. Uh, a revolution calling for a revolt is um, really about activating people and, and forcing a change uh, by letting our will be known, I think is really what we're talking about. Um, but I definitely agree with you that you know, whatever we do, you know, voting is a revolt. You know, that's the whole nature of a free society is we get to have peaceful revolutions um, with every election cycle if we so desire. Um, and, and I just I want it to always be uh, important that people realize that the message of, of myself and the show and the human solution has always been about bringing peaceful change. Okay, okay, great, because, uh, you know, as far as I would look at, when people hear that, they're like, oh, right on, pitchforks are out, bust windows, let's go to town. Yeah, no, 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 we're absolutely not that. <laughs> That's called Chaos and Mayhem. We're not the Chaos and Mayhem show. <laughs> oh, I, I believe you. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I hear where you're at. I, I got you. But, yeah, okay, great. I mean, because, you know, it would help our taxes, I mean, with money. That really helped the state out. Supposedly, we, we don't have no money. No, I, I have no problem with, uh, you know, opening up commerce. And although I personally am not about the tax and regulate, those people that are can be taxed and regulated all they want. Um, and, you know, let it, let freedom ring. That's all I say is let the people get what they want. As long as it doesn't cause harm to anyone else, there's no reason why not. Well, there, there I thank we go. Calling the show, Robert. Well, thank you very much. I'll, I'll listen to you once more. Beautiful. Sorry again. Sorry. I will listen. <laughs> once more and again, it's all good. Um, you know that we just went through. Um, you know, Craig Cecil gone from federal prison, and I I value his opinion, and here's why: when you're locked up, you have a lot of time to think about things, and when you're living out here, life is busy, and you deal with uh, reaction. A lot of times we spend a, we spend a lot of time reacting. Uh, we get hit with a news story, and it affects us in such a way that, you know, we react um, or we have a gut reaction. Um, but not always do we have time to sit down for day after day after day and just really think it out. And, you know, when you're locked up, you've got – you're already in the worst place that could happen. Right. You know, when you think about it, the only place worse than being locked up is to be, you know, maimed and ultimately dead. Um, but you're not that far away from it. 
and Craig's got all kinds of health issues anyway. So he's already at that sort of place where you got nothing to lose and maybe anything to gain. So, you know, it's somewhat easy to have a positive outlook when you're in the most negative place. So, but I value that because I say to myself, um, everything that happens happens because of choices that were made by the people that made them. Right. And, you know, unfortunately, I think America's biggest problem for the past, I don't know, hell, probably 30, 40 years is that we wouldn't make choices. We didn't want anything bad enough to to make it happen. Go out and do it. Go out and do it, you know. And, and so what's happened over the last 30, 40 years? We've had this um, institutional corruption um, fed by lobbies and, and incredible amounts of money and greed. influence and greed and power. And, you know, the old adage, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. And you've got some of these folks, these, these tycoons, these billionaires that have so much resources, they're, they have virtually absolute power. They're untouchables. They're people that can get what they want at virtually whatever that is. And when they're um, enterprising, as they tend to be, and they have um, agendas, as they tend to have, um, they're able to manipulate things that affect the whole rest of the world. You know, when we're trying to make change, we make it on a, a very local level. We, right. we try to affect whoever we know. And we get out there on Facebook and go, rah. <laughs> or we get on a little podcast and go, rah. You know, or we might get on the mainstream news and go, rah. But what else can we do? I mean, we can make a call to our congressman. We can show up at a rally and be one voice amongst a few hundred um, or maybe even a few thousand. But what else can we do? The more letters that are written, the more people that they uh, add because they get X amount of people per envelope. I think that's a really important thing. You know, we were talking earlier today about the human solution, about the people involved, about the, uh, the members, the people that tend to be activists. And, you know, we're a motley crew. We're, we're, we're a, a ragtag. You know, we're like the Star Wars gang. We're, we're this, you know, beat-up disabled ragtag group of people who care enough to keep going anyways. And regardless of if we've got um, a good roof over our head or a car that can drag us where we want to go or, you know, the right food or medicine, whatever it is, I've, I've watched people make such extreme sacrifices. Right. Um, but we're willing to do what it takes. And, and, and so many people come to the organization um, and say, I want to help. And then when you try to reach out to them, uh, you, you can't get a hold of them. You can't get them to commit to doing anything. You can't reach them most of the time. I think that a letter-writing campaign has been, in our past, one of the most effective things that's ever happened. And let's talk about a letter. You know, A, a letter is a very powerful tool because, as Wanda was just saying, um, one vote, one person. Uh, one person at a rally probably equals a thousand people right. that think the same way. Um, one phone call, ten to a hundred people that think that way. Um, showing up at court for somebody is probably one in five thousand. Right. You know, um, you got to think about an action and what it represents. The people that feel the same way, but 
aren't willing to commit enough to get out there and do it. Um, a letter is very powerful. It's, it's um, you know, an email is probably one out of five or ten would be willing to uh, uh, to send an email. But a physical letter, handwritten or typed and hand-signed, that's not a form letter. It's no. written in your own words. Um, that brings to, to it usually a personal example. Um, might mention a few uh, people that are, are personal contacts. Um, and you can even take that same letter and mail it to a dozen different people. That's right. You know, you can you can take the time and craft one letter and then think, who can I send it to? Well, if you get to elected representatives, you got to really think inside your own constituency because, trust me, I've tried to call congressmen that were not my representative. I would never get anywhere. Yeah. That's the first thing they ask you. What's your zip code? Oh, well, you're not in our district. Sorry, we don't care. <laughs> right. And so, but think about it. You know, you do have a congressman, and you have a senator right. that are your representatives. And if you don't know them on a first-name basis, then maybe it's time to start writing some letters yep. and get known on a first-name basis. It's possible. Um, and I've known – I know a few senators and state senators and, and elected officials on a first-name basis, not that we're close, but, you know, I've spent time communicating with them. Right. Um, Taking those kind of actions can make all the difference in the world. And you can even go down, uh, you can go all the way up. You can go to, um, you know, the, the, the executive branch, get that president. You know, when enough people, the president gets thousands and thousands of letters, okay? But when, what, what he has is he has a team of people that categorize those letters. And it's not so much that your one letter is something that's going to get noticed, but if your one letter is met with a thousand other letters just right. like it, and we got 300 million people. Yep. Okay. <laughs> a thousand letters is nothing. It's 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 such a minuscule amount. We should be able to rally that in a, in a heartbeat, and that's the perspective that the president is coming from. He's dealing with 300 and whatever 20 million people that are under his authority, and enough of them have to speak up to get on his radar. Right. Because he's listening to those that are. And that's where we come in. And this is something that, you know, it doesn't matter if you're part of other organizations, if you're a normal guy or an ASA guy or a whatever, it doesn't matter. We have this in common. We don't want to see the federal government take action against our citizens. Our rights. Our rights. The, the, the states that have passed laws, and frankly, like, you know how I feel about these laws. They're all terrible, but they're at least a foothold. Right. They're, they're, what they are is they have articulated the will of the people. Maybe not articulated it well, but they've articulated the will that says this plant shouldn't be um, a crime. And that's really, if you were to distill all of these laws down, this plant shouldn't be a crime. No, it shouldn't. And, and I, I think that that's one of the most important uh, uh, one of the most important elements of this, and we need to we need to keep that in mind. And I really, really believe that um, you know writing a letter is a huge, huge, huge. Um, it, it's a thing that I, we could get a thousand people to do it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. There's there's a thousand people that are touched by this show right now. That if we were to craft a letter and and not only encourage 
that the federal government not spend our tax dollars attacking us right. and taking our shit away. Okay, that's number one. Number two, there's already a law on the books that says federal money is not supposed to be spent prosecuting uh, people that are following their state's law. That's already on the books. Right. So what Sessions is talking about doing is violating a federal law. Uh-huh. Okay, so we've got to make that really clear. We've gained these little footholds. And number three, there are bills in Congress right now that need to get pushed through committee and voted on. Right. They have never even been voted on. There's not been a single vote because they get stalled out in, 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 in committees and they die there. Okay, but we can push those through. We've got a bunch of callers on the line here, and uh, we're going to go ahead and take a couple of them. We have uh, Suzette from Chino on the line, and we also have Mike Harris. Oh, boy. Now, Mike Harris is one of our board members, and uh, it looks like he's got an announcement to make, and I've been looking very, very uh, much forward to hearing this announcement, if it is what I think it is. So we'll put that as a tease. Um, Once again, since we're not a sponsored show, I'm going to tell you about uh, the Coffee Party Radio Network, who makes this show possible, and uh, there's live programming virtually every day of the week. I encourage you to pop on to Blog Talk Radio and click on the Coffee Party Radio Network channel and listen to some of the shows. There's some fantastic programming. And if you want to call in to this show today, all you got to do is call 646-929-2495. All right, so we're going to go to Chino first, and we've got Suzette, and she's got something to say. So here we go. Suzette, welcome to the show. Hey, hello, hello, hello. Hey, you guys, I respect what you guys are doing out there, getting the word out, and, you know, it's important because you're right. You know, we do need to stand up for ourselves. Unfortunately, we've had to experience the raw, part of the raw process of, of, you know, getting to the goal. But um, I hope in the end that, you know, you guys triumph. I'm personally... Um, don't don't care for marijuana. The smell gives me a headache. But you know what? It does have medical benefits. It has been proven. They, those um, research studies have been in the medical journals. And it's important. Just for the fact that we call ourselves a free nation. And if we're free, how free are we if we don't have control over our own persons? And what we put into our persons. Marijuana, I mean, if you don't want to look at the medical aspect of it, compare it to alcohol. If you're going to take away marijuana, then take away alcohol, which I don't want to do that either. But basically, they're all about the same, you know, as far as level of, I don't know, um, toxicity. Actually, marijuana is less because it's it's grown. It's natural. Um, well, but my, my advice, I'm sorry, my advice to you would be, um, as you said, to go with a peaceful pro, you know, if you're going to do it peacefully, that's great. But you want to capture the president's attention. He talks about being a man of the people. So let us let him put his money where his mouth is as far as Mr. President. We have these research studies that shows the benefits. We have these studies that show that it's not going to cause any more harm than alcohol type thing. Give him facts. Give him evidence. And then go from there. As far as give him something to work with to the AG if the AG is going to persist something rather than to make noise 
because noise could take forever, could take a lot longer to achieve your goal. There's a website called uh, Petition the White House. It's um, You can petition the White House on the issues that matter to you. You create the petition, you gather the signatures, you get 100,000 signatures in 30 days, and then you'll get a, an official update from the White House within 60 days. Well, I think that is a great idea. Um, and, and Suzette, give me a, a, a second to answer some of your points. Um, I, I appreciate that you came on. Your opinion is very valuable because you said you're not a cannabis and I think that more and more people that become aware of not only the fact that, as you mentioned, this is about freedom. It's not about even medical. It's not about recreational. It's about freedom. And if you boil our Constitution down to our um, inalienable rights, this falls into them, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, with harming nobody else. Um, and, and so I think that your opinion is huge. You know, so many people in the cannabis community um, love the plant already, so of course we're going to fight for it. But when somebody's willing to, to, you know, have their voice be heard and they don't even use it. My wife's the same. She doesn't, uh, she doesn't use cannabis, but she watches all the people around her that benefit from it, and she's watched, you know, me having my freedom taken from me and other known. It's the same for her. Um, regarding you know, the, the message, I think you're absolutely right. Um, one of the things that frustrates me with the uh, frustration of everybody right now is lack of a I think that people are out there just yelling and screaming and being angry. Not everybody, but so many people, and they have these vague, broad messages that don't really say anything. And I believe, just like what you were saying, we need to not just jump up and down and say we need change, but we need to be very clear about our message, and we need to say this is what we want, here's how we want it to happen, and what are you going to do? How, how can you make this happen? And, and we lay a plan out, not just, just, you know, yell and scream and say, you know, free the weed, but we tell them how to do it and why to do it. And, you know, it's interesting, you brought up alcohol, and so many of the, the laws are, are framed on a regulate marijuana-like alcohol premise, but the truth is, um, alcohol kills people every single day, and the American yeah. people decided many, many years ago that we want alcohol, and we said, okay, we changed the constitutional amendment, and alcohol is widely accepted as a, an okay part of, of American existence. Um, and, and it causes cirrhosis to the liver. Marijuana doesn't. I, people die from it every day, and to this day, nobody has ever died from cannabis. And so that's one of the points that I think we need to really get through to our elected officials is that, you know, we need to – the truth is out there. The truth is proven. Um, there, if they had evidence that showed that anybody ever died from cannabis, they would have destroyed us with it. They would have – there would be carpet bombs with, with these messages, but they don't have a single one. And, and so – but I, I do like the idea. I've never been super into these – online petitions, but in in this case, um, I, I do believe... It's coming from the White a, House directly. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's coming from the White House directly, so, you know, it's not just a, a petition per se. It's actually right. a whitehouse.gov. Well, and, and the point is, is having a very clear message 
with a very clear path to accomplishing it. That's being effective, mm-hmm. and that's, that's what our community has lacked a lot of. But maybe, and, and, you know, I don't know if you heard Craig Cecil calling from federal prison, but, you know, he's always been a huge advocate of our uni- unifying our message and, and mm-hmm. getting all these little groups together to stand together for this one thing. And then, you know, once we get it, then we're free. We're free to do, you know, what we see fit. So, anyways, right. I just want to really... A path to a lot of other freedoms, you know, and and harassments that people receive from this free nation that we live in, you know, constantly bombarded with extra cigarette taxes um, under the guise that it may cause cancer. Yes, it does have carcinogens, but, um, you know, you have George Burns that smoked up until the day he died (laughs) Uh, and he lived a rightful old age, you know, smoking cigars. And so, you know, I think it's that point it just comes it's within the genes and whether it's triggered or not those type of diseases well, you know it may not even help, if does, but even if it's something is deadly we have a right as long as we're not causing harm to somebody else i mean we have a right to pick up to buy a hammer and beat ourselves over the head with it we have a right to to buy you know toxic plants there's all kinds of toxic plants out there that are totally legal there's a number of of, of over-the-counter drugs there's Common household chemicals, all things that mm-hmm. could be deadly in a million ways, but then we yeah. collectively pick a certain plant and a certain substance, and we say those ones you cannot have, and that's where things go wrong. And then you flip people's lives upside down. They lose their jobs. They lose their personal property. They lose their loved ones. They turn their back. It's just, you know, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. I've seen it happen, and it's a nightmare, and it's unfair, and I hate to use that word as far as unfair because you think, oh, it sounds so childish, but there is no other way to describe it. And well, you I, know, know, I think and, if you have your ducks in a row where you say, give them the options. Okay, well, if you, would you consider it on these grounds? Here's the medical research. Okay, if you don't want to consider it with that, consider it under the constitutional civil rights and freedoms um, of our individual persons. How about that? You know, give them different options to consider to so that, that he's almost bombarded with reasons to okay it rather than to reject it. Well, I think that is actually great. I'm going to make a challenge. I'm going to challenge somebody to draft that petition. And we could use that petition as our own personal letter. You know, it could be a personal letter written out that mirrors that petition as well as signing the Um I'm going to put a, a, a vocal challenge out you now. Somebody to draft up the language for yeah, yeah. this. Send it up to us. Maybe next week on our show we'll be able to announce it, um, maybe finalize it, and and launch it. And look at that, Suzette, you uh, you might be partly responsible for making it happen. You make a call to a radio show, and you're changing the world. Look at that. Well, I'd like to contribute anyway. If you guys need my help or support for anything, um, you know, I'm I'm there with you. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, and uh, I appreciate all your help. Thanks for being a part of the solution. Thank you so much, and don't don't ever give up the fight for the freedoms. Oh, it's never going to happen. <laughs> All right, again, <laughs> once again, that from Chino. All right, now we're going to bring up Mike Harris. Um, I've been anxiously awaiting. Um, and then a little bit later, we're going to have uh, Lori and Galen, and I don't see Tom Corby on here right now. I don't know. Somebody needs to go find where Tom Corby is. He's, uh, I look forward to our NorCal update. Uh, so 
Whoever's listening that knows Tom Corby, please send him a message. Remind him about the show and that we need uh, to get our NorCal update. All right. Up next, we have Mike Harris. Um, he's a board member. He's also been uh, uh, a huge element in our media team. Um, he's been personally responsible for getting some of our stories uh, nationwide coverage and, uh, you know, makes all the difference in the world. And, and to me, one of the most important things I see Mike doing is he's been an avid court supporter and he has stood uh, stood in, in courtrooms that I haven't been able to attend and I uh, just feel uh, so proud to watch this uh, legacy continue on and making a difference wherever we go. But uh, we got a whole other layer to lay down on you now. And without further ado, Mike Harris, welcome to the show. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me. I hear you got Empy Lulu in the house. Yes, we do. Woohoo! <laughs> Hi, Mike. Hey, Empy. <laughs> you should have showed up tonight. I uh, texted you and told you I'd be here. Yeah, I, well, I have a, a previous in, uh, engagement, so I'm uh, I'm phoning it in tonight. Phoning it in. There we go. Well, you know what? It's always good to phone it in when that's what you have to bring. So tell us what's going yeah. on. I, I, I've been uh, looking forward to hearing some, some incredible news coming out of your camp. Okay. Well, like uh, starting from the beginning, about midway last year, the um, cities in California started to um, enact uh, preemptive bans ahead of uh, the state um, issuing uh, medical regulation. You know, and I think that started out as like McMurza, and they actually passed the bill, and it's going to be enacted um, the uh, first of uh, January 2018 for um, um, all the regulations for medical cannabis, and also um, allowing um, recreational cannabis. It sort of ties in with UMA in a way. Well, uh, Prop 64 passed, and Prior to that, cities also started doing writing preemptive bans um, yeah. and really tight regulations. <laughs> so, I live in the city of Fontana, and it's uh, kind of uh, pretty much neighbored with the um, city of San Bernardino, with a couple in the middle. But you know, that's the uh, the county seat, the city of San Bernardino. They don't have any uh, regulations that say you can't grow um, six plants unless you have a permit or any kind of regulation. They just recognized and went to default the state law. Whereas in, in my city, Fontana, they enacted the most, I guess, odorous uh, regulation possible. And I think it's $411 to, um, for the application fee, plus uh, Justice Department live scan fingerprinting, plus a criminal background check. And if you have um, any kind of... Uh, drug-related crime within the last five years, uh, you uh, cannot be um, eligible for it. So, like, that's a de facto ban. And they have a bunch of different um, regulations that claiming that, you know, it's a, a plant that's going to cause mold and mildew and fire and electrocution in your house. So, oh, my God, we've got to have, you know, fire department inspectors engineer inspectors, or even the police uh, could show up because they have the police powers for code enforcement inspection. If uh, you get a nuisance complaint, they immediately pull your uh, permit and you're slapped with a $1,000 fine just like that. So, you know, it's it's got a really bad history to it. And 
um, with uh, the help of uh, some people on a, a message board on Facebook, California Bandwatch, that uh, our friend Jackie McGowan runs, and she keeps track of all of the different ordinances that are happening in the bands. And it turns out Fontana is just about the smelliest out there. There's a couple that are uh, a little worse, but, you know, that they've gone so far over the side that, you know, they're going to lose whatever legal challenge they have. Well, anyways, uh, long story short, you know, I sort of uh, networked and messaged uh, through back channels for the last few months and uh, was able to contact the Drug Policy Alliance, the uh, co-sponsors of the um, Prop 64, and they've been looking for a case that I found out. So with the help of uh, Diane Waddles Goldstein of Leap, uh, Jackie McGowan, and now the um, Drug Policy Alliance has agreed to take up lawsuit against um, the city of Fontana, and I'll be the lead plaintiff. And they found a legal firm, Pro Bono, that is three times the size. I can't say the name yet because they haven't contacted me. It's only been uh, a little over a week since uh, you know they've agreed to pick up the case. So um, they're three times the size of BB&K, who does most of the city attorney work in the state of California. And also the um, ACLU is expressed interest is also wanting to be uh, part of the team. So we're bringing the hammer. That is, um, you know, I've, I've been holding this in. As anybody can now tell the best secret in the world, because I was aware of this for, I don't know, almost a month. And it's been killing me not to not to talk about it, um, but as as nobody's ever heard a word, not not an inkling, because that's you know when it comes to uh, a proactive measure like this, uh, we can't do anything to screw it up. Right. And if you get the wrong word out, people hear the wrong thing, um, you can spook somebody out of the way, or, or or somebody will say or do something that could cause it harm. And so I've just been patiently, um, eagerly waiting for this to happen. But, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, taking action, um, there's so many ways that we can do this. And, you know, we're, we're creating this legal clinic as a resource for the human solution, and part of it is a template. It's, it's a self-help guide of what do you do. I, I feel motivated uh, or, or I'm being wronged or, or, you know, it's not fair I, I, that's a really difficult way to say things because nobody ever said it was going to be fair, but it's not right. Um, that's another another stance altogether, and you can stand to make change for something that's not right. And But what do I do? And there's not really a do-it-yourself guide of how do you go after a city or a, or a county or a government entity. Um, you know, they're this giant multi-headed beast with all the money and all the guns. And all the lawyers, you know, well, lawyers, guns, and money, what else, <laughs> what you, else know? do you need? What else do you need? Um, but when you got your own lawyers and your own guns and your own money, sometimes you can fight back. And um, in this case, I think it's a, a particularly potent um, uh, attack because, number one, we've got one of the best-funded organizations behind it. Um, as much as I'm not, you know, a lobby organization – um, it's good that we have them. It's what they do. It, it, they raise money, and they, you know, they, they work to enact legislation. Well, um, they also, you know, have a lot of resources. And when you are able to make contact with a uh, a law firm that's willing to stand up and represent, stand up against 
you know, a monster like BB and K, um, and and I mean monster. If anybody's uh, gone to bat against them, you know, big cities use them to represent them for a reason. They're good at what they do. Um, so to come back with this, um, and especially at a time where we just enacted a law, supposed to uh, carry some weight, it's supposed to mean something. Not that you know, regardless of what my personal thoughts are about the law. Um, cities are still not supposed to be able to do things that are unconstitutional and that are violating, um, you know, our rights. And, uh, you know, Mike, you're possibly the perfect person to uh, to take this one on. So um, anxiously looking forward to updates. I guess what you're saying now is you're going to be um, committing to a regular weekly update on this then, right? Well, um you know, sometimes there's uh, a lot of time between court dates, you know, right. so we'll we'll see how it goes. And then, what um, you know, they're still probably drawing st straws at the legal firm on um, who's the sucker that gets to take this on because it's not going to be a slam dunk by any means because you're talking about land use uh, that cities are allowed to have that don't conflict with general laws of the state of California. And the problem being here is that, Prop 64 has statutory language saying that they cannot absolutely ban home grow cultivation. They cannot do it. They can reasonably regulate. So that's where the argument's going to be. And, well, you know, we'll see. People who don't realize when a law gets passed, um, usually there's a series of lawsuits that actually tweak the law to how it actually gets enforced or not enforced. And um, you know what? We're leading the charge on this one because a lot of the times the lawsuits come at the result of arrests, right. of of um, you know being a reactive measure and jumping into it on a proactive stance. It kind of puts the ball in our court. It gives us a little bit of a home field advantage if there can be one. Um, and frankly, I don't see anybody else doing it, so I'm I'm just tickled to be a part of it. That will. I'm looking forward to it myself, and, you know, we'll see where it takes us. But, you know, it's something that, you know, really needs to be done because, you know, immediately after um, 215 was passed, the state attorney general, uh, Dan Lundgren, gathered all the police chiefs and um, all of the uh, uh, attorneys within the state and basically said, we're going to fight this thing. And basically it took a long time, but they finally gutted it. And, you know, this is the, under the same... Uh, ruling of uh, land use, but this time that they're talking about an activity that, or a, a permitting process where they don't allow you to actually build anything, it's just an activity. And as far as, um, uh, say, you know, mold and mildew, you know, there's no regulations against uh, a ficus in your house or any kind of house plants. Right. So, you know, to, to say one thing that it's uh, uh, an environmental health threat. And then, on the other hand, allow any other kind of houseplant, or even the fact that they said it's a CEQA exempt because it doesn't pose any environmental impact. But then they go prior to that and say that you know all of these um, dangers inherent to it. So they don't have their story straight. Well, and, and we've been saying this all along. There needs to be an element of. Uh, one of these things has to be like the other. You know, the laws that have affected cannabis have been disproportionate 
in their application. They don't apply to food um, applications. They don't apply to, to um, um, uh, nutritional supplements. They don't apply to um, even even some of the restrictions on cannabis are tougher than FDA guidelines, and it just makes no sense. All we're saying is if you're going to pass some kind of a law, it's got to make some kind of sense, and that's all I think anybody really wants. People are willing to acquiesce and say, fine, treat it like alcohol. And they're, they're giving up the farm to do that because, frankly, it's 10,000 times more dangerous than alcohol. But the bottom line is that's how willing people are to uh, give up whatever it takes to at least, you know, back off and don't throw me in jail for this. So, um, you know, it's going to take some pushing to get something done. And, uh, again, um, you know, like you say, there's so many problems with the restrictions, so many problems. I just um, got some products tested, um, and they showed up with trace amounts of um, airborne mold and, and yeast and things like that. And I asked the lab, I said, what's this about? It says, oh, that stuff's anywhere. This, these tests would pass under Washington or Colorado's laws. I said, well, what the hell does that mean? Oh, what, what about food laws, you know, where they allow for, you know, rat parts and, and How many known pesticides, and here they're counting spore colonies, and you can't count that. It's small of a number, but they do, and, you know, so I, I agree. It's going to take us pushing back to demand, uh, you know, you got to start being reasonable here, and hopefully um, this case, and, and, you know, frankly, hopefully this will inspire other people to do the same thing. That's one of the things that I thought um, some of the cases that we were filing up north, the federal suits, were going to inspire other suits to happen. Um, and, and my hope is that continuing to be proactive will cause this to cascade and to embolden people to say, hey, he did that over in San Bernardino. I bet you we could do it over here in Orange County. I bet they can do it over there in whatever county. Um, you know, we're creating a template. We're creating a path um, for people to take action that we can get changed. So part of the revolution, my friend, part of the revolution. I love it. Well, the the long term plan for this is to actually take it to the Supreme Court, state state Supreme sure. Court. You know, that, that's well. that's the ultimate goal in this. Is I mean, we we start local, but you know, I'm imagining they have to. Uh, somebody is going to appeal whoever um, loses, and it's well, and that's ultimately forward. where uh, you know all the case law comes from is the appellate and the Supreme Court. So, well, we yeah, wish absolutely. you the best on this and. Uh, you got court support if you need it. That's for damn sure. <laughs> All right. All, All right. right. See you guys later. Uh, see you later, Happy Lulu. And tell Liz to keep her head out of the camera next time. <laughs> Liz is getting camera huggy. All right. Bye-bye, Mike. See you later. All right, again, Bye -bye. Mike Harris, a board member and uh, uh, media guru of the Human Solution. He's now spearheading a proactive lawsuit um, and uh, – Freedom fighter extraordinaire. We gotta love it. All right, up next we got Lori and Galen calling in from Las Vegas, and then we have Tom Corby made it, decided oh, to good. join us for the NorCal report. So Tom, you're gonna come up after Lori and Galen, and we'll see if we've got room for any more. Before we get on to Lori and Galen, um, Wanda, you know, it's uh, I want to make sure you have ample time to say. Oh. Everything and anything that's on your mind here. It's really important. I, I wanted to bring in uh you know, other people's feedback and I'm glad we got some 
um, some callers that were new to the show right, that, right. that that brought in a, you know an opinions. Um, but you know this is specifically, you know you have a, a very strong uh, thought about this, and and I'm hoping to have brought in you know solutions outside of just the problem. But we also need to identify that problem. And, and so that people recognize, you know, why is it that we're upset? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just, you know, we're upset because Trump's an asshole or he's an idiot or he just won't get off of Twitter or whatever the reasons that Trump people don't like Trump. My problem with Trump is, is he listens to too many people. And any moment he can come off the wall at any time. And I look for that to happen as time goes on. And I think we're going to take the brunt of it. And it just worries me. Well, and I think that that just sharpens the point of our message that right. we need to be those people that he listens to. That's right. If we're not speaking loud enough, remember, there's 300 and some million people right. in this world, in this in this country, okay? And, and out of that, how many of them are thinking like us? And... I think it's really, really important to figure out that, you know, you got the Suzettes and the Liz's and the people that we know that are supportive of the freedom mm-hmm. element of this and what's right. And, and the thing that I think is important is that we live in an information world. Remember, Prohibition came out of a policy of, of lies and sure. deceit and undercover covering up truth. In a time where the media and the messaging was controlled by a very few people. Now, you can't stop me. I'm the media today. Yeah. Okay? Wanda's the media today. Lisa's the media today. You're the media today. You're the media today. Okay? We can't be stopped. We're now currently simulcasting on three different media networks, and they're being shared all across. Our, Our listening audience is growing exponentially as a result. Okay, this is just a couple of people using free tools that we have. Imagine what we can do if we can coordinate. That's right. Now, now I just want to put this message out there because this is such an important message. And this comes from Craig Cecil. If you don't like me, listen to Craig because he said it exactly the way I have. We need to throw down our egos. We need to throw down our attitudes. We need to throw down our personal agendas. And we need to come together for this. Okay, this is the thing that's important enough for us to come together for. And I challenge you, I challenge everybody who's listening, who's not part of the human solution, who has their own little group or their own big group or their own group of groups or their own whatever, to stand together with us. Because what we're trying to do is make this plant free, make us live in a world where we don't have to worry about going to jail for a plant. It's such a simple thing. It's a catchy little little phrase. No one should go to jail for a plant, right? We've chanted it loud at the courthouse. No jail for pot. We've said that over and over again. What do we want? Justice. When do we want it? Now. now. Well, why don't we demand it now? And let's be very clear about what kind of justice we want. Okay? Is it just for the government to come in and tell us that we can or cannot possess a plant? That we can or cannot grow a plant? That we can or cannot transport it? Sell it, give it away, trade for it, do whatever we want with it? No, that's not justice. No justice, no peace. Well, let's know some justice and let's know some peace, right. and we can demand it and we can bring it together. And it's going to happen if we come together 
Let's use this as our unifying factor, okay? Go work for your laws, go work for your this, go work for your that. We'll work for our things, but at the end of the day, we can make a grassroots call to action. The grassroots call to action that works cannot be stopped. President Obama got elected because of a grassroots right. call to action. He rose up out of a nowhere senator that nobody even knew, and he ran the country for eight friggin' years. And if it was not for his grassroots effort, it wouldn't have happened. Well, guess what? Trump did the same goddamn thing. Yep. And now he's in power. Well, who's really in power? We are, if we want to be. If we want to own this, we can. So we got to throw the egos down, let go of it. Don't do it under any banner if you don't want to. But let's create this message. Let's write this letter. Let's create this petition. And let's put it out there. And let's make this thing happen, because we can do it. Sorry, Wanda, I had to jump in on that one. We need to send letter after letter after letter, just because you mailed it one time. That's not it. You've got to do it over and over. I have a whole file of Diane Feinstein <laughs> with her former Our buddy, letter. yep. And we've uh, got a whole stack of uh, Ken Calvert, right. our buddy. <laughs> yeah, drugs are bad. Yeah, so, you know, the only way we're going to end prohibition is to stand up and be heard. And enough people get told it's going to go all the way around, and the way to do that is with letters. I can't go many places anymore because I'm on dialysis all the time, but, uh, but you can I write can a letter. Write a letter. Yep. And I can uh, send a lot of letters. So. Well, you know, one thing I would like to do, and we, this has been useful in the past, and I always say, look, let's learn from what we've done, and let's continue to do those things that work. Try new things. If they work, keep doing them. If they don't, go on to something else. Mm -hmm. But when we were when we were uh, campaigning in my trial and we were stepping up and fighting for this, one of the things we would do is letter campaigns to the DA's office, mm -hmm. and we literally would take uh, videos of somebody writing a letter. This is how you write a letter. This is how you send an email. This is how you make a phone call. And if you go on to the YouTube channel or my YouTube channel, I don't know, it's on some YouTube channel. Anyways, all those videos are still there, and they're still applicable, and they still matter, and we can still do that again, and I think we should. Yeah. I think what we should do is start this campaign. Let's start writing a letter and do a little short, you know, 30-second video. Here's my letter. Here's what it says. Here's me sticking a stamp on it and putting it in the mailbox. Wasn't that easy? You can do it, too. Right. You know, and I think that that's important. And I think, you know, we start getting responses. You think that you're getting automated responses, but when you initiate uh, a dialogue, mm -hmm. at first you get an automated response, and then you respond back. Right. And then they start to get a little personal, and then you respond back, and they start getting a little more personal. And, you know, when we were advocating for H.R. 1523, the Respects States Marijuana Laws Act of 2013, mm -hmm. before we were a 501c3, um, we were advocating to, you know, write to your congressman and, and ask him to endorse this bill, to, to support this bill. And, um, you know, we would get letters back from our congressman, who is a complete asshole, right. and he would say, well, you know, I respect your opinion. But However, uh, marijuana is drugs and drugs are bad. And so, you know, you know they're a gateway to hell, and, um, you know, or I, I just can't get behind this. 
and uh, Barbara Boxer and Feinstein, um, all of them have had the same reaction. Right. You know, uh, our lovely Democrat senators, almost the same form letters. letters. You know, our progressive senators. Right. Great. Good job. You know, but at the end of the day, if enough of us had done it, right, it would have been different. All it tells me when I get that form letter from a, a elected official that says the same old message, it just says, well, enough people haven't done it yet. Yeah. And so. Let's beat that drum. You know, we got that new lead-in song, The Beat Goes yeah, On. That, beat that goes can on. be our new beat. You know, let's get the letter sent. Let's mail the letter. Let's write the new letter. Let's let people see it and make your letter a little bit unique so it's not just a form letter coming in. So it pertains to you. Exactly. But I think that writing out a, a template uh, to make it happen um, and, and making it easy, I think this is, this is good. You know, yeah, I, I, I knew... Um, having this discussion was going to open up channels um, and, you know, laying out a specific plan rather than just discussing and pontificating and, right. and, and you know, um, interesting dialogue. I think walking away with the mission is even more important. Yes, exactly. All right, so let's look here. We've got Lori and Gail. We've got about 15 minutes left in the show. Two hours goes by quick when you're uh, getting down and dirty. Um, Let's just see who else we got. All right, we got Tom Corby and we got Lori and Galen. So Lori and Galen, this is Lori Murphy and Galen Fisher. They're um, our coordinators from our Las Vegas chapter. And, uh, you know, Galen uh, had a couple-year legal battle um, that we were behind. We went to court many times in uh, in Vegas. And um, Thank you uh, for that. Well, it. <laughs> It's what we do. <laughs> it's why we're here. It's how we make fun, I think. Hopefully. Thank you. You know what, Joe? Yeah, hey, well, everybody. Thank you. Hey, uh, hey everybody. Hey, and one of the things I wanted to say to you and everybody out there that's listening, all the, the Human Solution members and uh, non-members or um, medical cannabis patients, recreational, whoever, uh, advocates, opposition, whoever that's listening, I want to say the one thing that I've, 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 I've learned from the Human Solution and from you, Joe, and from the Human Solution members that you introduced me to is because, and it was one of the hardest things, lessons for me to learn because I've been smoking cannabis for, I've, I mean, I'm not that old, but for, uh, for as long as I can remember in that short amount of time. And now, I, yeah, you hear me. It's kind of hard to say I don't know anything at that standpoint, and about the plant. But I had to do that first to actually be able to interpret what the plant is. And so now, what I mean simply is that I don't call it marijuana. I don't call it pot. I don't call it uh, chronic or, or anything in that name. Or I try not to. I call it cannabis, genus cannabis, particularly what it is, a plant. And when I speak, when I speak to people about it from that standpoint, from that perspective, they get the same thing that you relate to, Lori and I. And even though we were in the mix of the, we were in the mix of the, uh, you know, being a case study of of the, uh, like so many people, Cecil Craig, and uh, you, yourself, so many other people that are in this situation still. We were being a case study of it, and like I said, 
we had to unlearn so much in order to tell, tell and educate people the right way, in order to tell our story the right way, because there was just so much. First of all, anyone that said marijuana, our program in Nevada is named the Medical Marijuana Program. And if you, we know history, and if those who don't know the history, the word marijuana was basically devised as a negative cannabis propaganda tool. And I learned that from, I learned that from being a Human Solution member. And then from that, I changed my perspective Ultimately, it's a it's yeah, a I, racist term that uh, you know was used to uh, uh, highlight the fact that the, the foreigners, the Mexicans, um, were bringing up this this weed and the, the you know the degenerates and the jazz musicians and the blacks and the Indians were all using it and they were all causing all the white people problems and getting everybody all scared in a in a in a in a tizzy over it, and that was the root of prohibition beyond, um, you know, the, the the misinformation that was coming out about its dangers. Right, and it was easy to, and I think what, what happened was, and I want to say this again, and I want to emphasize this again, Joe, because what changed my perspective and made me understand this is every time now that I that I twist, I use, I, I use cannabis, I twist up a joint or however I choose to ingest it, my my responsibility level has changed when I do that now. Whereas before I was carefree a little bit less, I was way less, you know, responsible and I was more carefree about it. I cared less. Now it's more about, you know, when I do this, what effect is going to cause, what perception is going to be just out there. Now when I start to think that way, I say, well, it's a legal state. I start to think for my, my reaction is to, is to justify my cause. And so I said, well, it's legal. I'm allowed to. Okay, you're illegal. You're allowed to. But let's think about this. Let's go deep into that. You're a back porch. You have a neighbor. Maybe they're okay with you, you know, pie, uh, cannabis, but they have a small child. And because it carries over and gets into the air and stuff like that, and they're having a bad day. People are people. Humans are humans. You know, they attribute your, their bad day to that headache they may get like i believe it was suzette has said she gets a headache every time that the cannabis is being smoked or it's around her and stuff but she also knows the medicinal principle so she tolerates it i think a crisis occurs when a set of normally tolerable situations become all of a sudden intolerable and i don't think there would be too many people that would disagree with me to that fact or that 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 opinion and um, one thing we we watched the we watched the address last night. But before we watched the address, we watched uh, a 1982 movie uh, with starring Ben Kingsington and some other people uh, about Gandhi. And amongst other things, we took away. I I think one of the biggest things we took takeaway was from it that an eye for an eye leaves the world blind. And <laughs> then we watched. <laughs> Nobody an eye left. We're blind. We're just flailing around, and, and and so with, and then I watched the the the, the national address by our president, and I'm a, I'm an American. I'm a patriot. And I love our country. I don't always agree with our policies, but that's why it's more tangent upon me and more responsible to be of the people that participate in the 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 the, 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 the process. And um, anyway, 
what I took away from the speech was clearly, amongst other things, that there he he's going to. Uh, and my apologies for coming to the show late. I just came from my doctor's appointment, and we came. To, we, I was just having a stick. But this one, my friend, this is a, a fantastic show that uh, uh, really didn't miss a beat. Hell, I only had to talk a quarter of the time. <laughs> uh, it, it was. Uh, it's been it's been quite a show. So I, I encourage you to rewind it and listen to it from the beginning. Absolutely, because one of the things that we heard, and I'm pretty sure you guys discussed, that everyone heard last night that heard the presidential address, that he is instructing the his Department of Justice and the, the other officials that that are tangent upon the Department of Justice to lead an aggressive um, campaign against um, what is what is being called drugs, illicit drugs and everything like that. And then he made a, another statement in a different part of the speech where he, he said, if Congress doesn't think that a law should be applied, then I asked Congress about, uh, and then we, it was a, it was a, a citizen, a, a girl, I think, uh, you know, what about this? And it wasn't tangent to what he was saying, but I think he was just trying to hit a chord and, 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 and he, eh, whatever. But um, what I saw, what I heard, what I take, what I took away was the Department of Justice getting aggressive and that Congress wouldn't want to impose, they wouldn't, didn't want to, uh, act upon laws that were already in place. And you could, there were so many different implications in that, but as someone who has been on the, the side of, you know, inside the battle, as such as yourself and, and so many other people, it's kind of hard to put the position in it. The only thing that you can do as a fight back, and I learned this too from the, just from watching a previous movie, and you showed me too, more than anything, the, the members of the Human Solution that I've met and no other calls have showed me this, by the way. And I, and I, and I know, not take away anything from those, but the responsibility we, aspect I mean, that the institution has shown me. <laughs> Pardon me. Yeah, I'm sorry. But no, but, but the responsibility aspect seriously is, is the thing that the human solution has showed us every time that we medicate, you twist the joint, it is our responsibility to do that with wise intention, you know, and, 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 and the uh, careful consideration of others and if we do that and i i think and and i'm and i and i and i have we and we have to uh, we were unique as human beings we have hum, we have hands and if you ever pet an animal if you have pet an animal touched an animal and developed a relationship with animals it's basically because they're amazed that you have hands and not paws or hooves and so that should that's just all it teaches me is that Hands-on application is exact, exactly that. You have to put your hands on and get your feet out there in that case and, and actually, you know, write with your hands and put your feet out there in the, as far as court support. And that's one of the things I, I always remember is my responsibility from the human solution. And uh, I think, Lori, we had some meetings as well today. Uh, Mike Harris was saying they had some meetings that he was spoken on. That's great news that they're, they're taking up the cause and, and, uh, and those right those avenues, those halls uh, with ACLU and what, is, what I mean. But uh, we also had a meeting here and there was some progress made about just keeping patients right uh, to grow. And some of those things I, I imagine uh, are going to be the topics of just uh, uh, what is the odor? They, yeah. It's an odor ordinance. We now have an a odor machine, the Nostril 2000 or something like that. that it's a machine that can smell. A warrant. Now they can just come into your house because they say that they can take a scent from outside and say you're growing cannabis inside, and now they can just come in right. based on scent. 
there's no warrant needed anymore because of that. Yeah, but you right. know the so problem with that is there was already a Supreme Court ruling that said that's not a. It was unconstitutional. It was unconstitutional for a smell to be um, uh, probable cause. So there, and that may have just been California. I thought it was uh, a nationwide thing, but um, you, you guys might want to look into that. Well, listen, we're running short on time, but I do want you guys to come in next week and let's bring up a, 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 a comprehensive Vegas update because there's a lot of big changes in all the states where they've passed legislation, and you guys just passed legislation. Um, what's happening? There's all kinds of turmoil, and there's all kinds of things. It can shift a lot of different directions. And like you say, now all of a sudden they're – in one level, people are like, oh, no, it's Vegas. It's legal now. Anything goes. Um, at the other level, you're looking at the Super Sniffer 4000, um, you know, yeah. giant nose seals cruising around going, oh, we're going to have access to your house because we smell a particular odor. I say ixnay on that, and I think we need to learn more about it and what kind of laws – protect us. And one final point I want to make is as you're bringing out these points about, you know, the rule of law and uh, Donald Trump's ideas about laws and what should be uh, um, enforced and what shouldn't be enforced, we need to remind ourselves that as a nation of laws, we've come from a lot of really bad laws. Okay, our nation was built on some good laws and a lot of really bad laws. And it has taken us 240 some years to remove and change a lot of those bad laws, and we're not done yet. And I just want everybody to realize that the only way to change a law is from another law, but the other way that you change it is you nullify it. You don't give it power, and you don't allow them to enforce it. You say, take it to the box, and the jury says, no, not guilty. We have that right, too. All right, you guys. Well, always a pleasure, and, and i got to give Tom Corby a few minutes to do our NorCal update. And... Uh, I encourage next week, if you can, um, you know, get in a little bit earlier so we can do a full comprehensive uh, Nevada update. And thank you definitely for having us, too, Joe. And thank you, every, the listeners, too, for, for listening in. Thank you, everybody. You betcha. All right. Thanks again, Laurie and Galen, with the Nevada Report. Um, and we got finally Tom Corby, who decided to join us after all. And it uh, looks like we'll probably go a couple of minutes over time as this show does from time to time um so tom whoops there you are whoops all right you are live on the air tom corby and uh looking forward to hearing the norcal report all right thank you joe and mary uh coffee party radio for another great show i was out mowing and i came in and i got your message and i i forgot about the show so uh <laughs> i'll try to cut the chase uh, we always bring out that we're not men of brothers. Try to put the phone right up to you because you're sounding garbled. Did I do what? Try to put the phone right up to you. You're sounding kind of muffled. Oh, okay. How about now? A little better. How about now? now? Much better. All right, there you go. Now. Yes. Well, I'm down, I'm down the man cave, so... Uh, you can hear me now, okay? Yes, you're you're loud and clear now. All right. So uh, to cut to the chase here, uh, Nick Moran talked about Nick and his case. Uh, he, he returned him and his mom, Liz Joy, who came all the way from Michigan to support her son Nick. Have she? Have part, by the way. She, 
Yeah, uh, has a THC uh, tomorrow trial. Summit conference uh, due to the fact that Nick Moran has Joseph Tully, thankfully. Uh, Joseph Tully, we know, is still up with the Benos. Uh, Nick and his mom are here today, headed back up to Michigan. Nick wants to let people know tomorrow it's on the court, court support. Tomorrow it's on the calendar. That's not necessary uh, because Joseph Tully's up with the Benos. He talked to Joseph today. Uh, Joseph really feels he's gaining ground up in Chester with the Benos and feels he's starting to win that case up there. Now that, that, that's been going on a, a week and a half now, a trial. And I see Earl O'Neill coming up. Good luck to him. We're going right from uh, to uh, support O'Neill. Uh, Eddie left. Just uh, find out he's completely free now. Uh, he's out of the halfway house. Uh, I bought out last week. And uh, I thank Heidi Grossman for hosting another uh, ONAC uh, Unity Ministry meeting with Reverend Eddie Lepp will be there, and also our new friend from Concal, Reverend Jeff Sanderson. Uh, that's at 4.30 to 6.30 p.m. It's uh, March 4th. Uh, actually, that's two days before my 74th birthday. So we're going to be celebrating that. Also, Alex Lyons' birthday coming up. And we're going to have an event here. All everybody is invited. Uh, that's uh, in Sacramento, March fourth, four thirty to six thirty p.m. at seven three two three Home Leisure Pizza, Sacramento. Uh, everybody's invited. This is a good time if you want to. Meet and hang with Eddie. It's awesome. And we show that uh, is Heidi Grossman, uh, Secretary of the Human Solutions International. Am I correct to say that? Or she was? Joe, are you there? Yeah, you're still a little muffled again. Say again. Oh, listen, I had it up to my ear. I was trying to listen instead of talk. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> That's backwards, <laughs> yes. I think. Did you get most of that? That address, the address is. I got, I got, I got. You've got a a, an ONAC uh, ceremony with Heidi Grossman and Eddie Lepp, and the last little bit I wasn't quite sure about. All right. Well, see that that, that's from 4:30 to 6:30 p.m. on March 4th, and that's 7323 Home Leisure Pizza in Sacramento, and everybody's invited. We come together in unity. Together we stand. Okay, I want to thank everybody today. Uh, and thanks for going over time, Joe, for me, and uh, all the folks on the front line are going vision from the very beginning with the Human Solution International. It's a descheduled canvas. There should be no schedule to end prohibition and free all our POWs. No one should be jailed for a plant. And my wife, Donald, will always tell you, don't forget to breathe, then I forget <laughs> to breathe. <laughs> Thank Thanks. you, Joe. Listen, Mary said uh, uh, if they, they're going on the trial up here, I'll let you know, and uh, we'll get you up here. And Mary, so you wants let me to know. Up. If you're ready to pick a jury and give me a 
a little bit of heads up, and I will make it up there. I uh, I always have. I always will. Well, Nat, when you bring that up, Shelby's coming up uh, this uh, next seven, uh, this next Tuesday. When we talk about going to jury trial, folks, uh, John will tell you that the first, oh, cut it could be two or three days of picking the jurors. It could be 80, 100 of them there. It's just really not necessary. Maybe a few few people, but it's not necessary until actually the jury's sick. And then we will trek the distance to come for our defendants. That's what we do. Well, and many okay, times thanks. you think you're picking a jury and you end up putting it off. And, you know, I've, I've come up. Uh, a number of times made a long trip in thinking that there was going to be a trial and it ended up just being another hearing. And so, you know, when it comes down to the, the rubber meets the road, it's really important when you're coordinating court support um, that you uh, conserve the resources that you have, and that means your supporters' resources as well. And so, you know, sometimes you got to go out there with the skeleton crew, just the locals, and when it comes down to specific days when the jury is going to be um, hearing certain evidence, um, uh, if the defendant's going to be testifying, opening, closing statements, jury instructions, there are certain days when it's most important to have a lot of uh, support there that the jury can see that the public is behind the defendant. Um, even if it's only a couple of days out of a long trial, it can make all the difference in the world. So part of what we try to teach with the Human Solution and this show is how to be effective. Um, we only have so many minutes, so many da- days, so many dollars, and so many miles to put on, um, and we got to use them as wisely as we can. So thank you so much, Tom. You are a warrior and a gentleman, and um, I want to thank Wanda Smith for coming out here. Wanda, any last uh, parting shots you have for us? Well, I would like to say thank you for having me on the show. It's great to see you again. I don't get off the hill very often anymore. And I just see that we are going to have troubles ahead, and we need to nip it in the bud and do what we can to uh, end prohibition. Well, I think that uh, you're absolutely right, and I'm looking forward to uh, another uh, rallying cry. And, and, you know, I will get behind any organizing and participating that we can. We'll probably end up having another headquarters meeting out here and videotape showing everybody how it's done because that's just what we do here at headquarters. Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Um, I want to thank you all for being here, and we'll... I am Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done You were always on my 